So, um, my name is Bill, and uh, it's great to see you guys tonight. Uh, this is the part of our weekly meeting when we open the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so, brace yourselves. Uh, we are continuing a series on uh, identity, our identity as Christians. And uh, what we've been seeing is that God wants to work all these different aspects of uh, identity down into the deep into the soil of our hearts uh, so that they, they can take root and really become uh, basic and integral to our way of self-understanding and, and our way of uh, living in the world. And the things we've looked at so far, we are disciples, uh, we are stewards, we are brothers and sisters, family together, uh, we are heirs, we have a great uh, inheritance, a great hope. Uh, we are saints. Uh, we're set apart to God. Uh, last week, we are witnesses. And uh, tonight, uh, we are priests. We're priests. Um, and we're going we're gonna to look at that from First Peter. But before we go there, uh, let me frame this a little bit. One of the fundamental um, aspects of New Testament teaching concerning Christian living is... The, the idea that every believer, not just a few or a select group, but every believer is called to ministry. Uh, you know, Christians will talk about being called to the ministry, and that English word ministry is, is a direct translation of the New Testament word that means service. And so we miss something really huge if we think of the ministry uh, only in terms of, say, uh, pastors or professional clergy or that kind of uh, thing. Because every Christian in the New Testament teaching is called to serve. Every Christian is called, for example, to serve one another in love. Every Christian is uh, equipped and called to ministry. Every Christian has an essential part to play uh, in the community of faith and, and in the world. And we see this in places like uh, the next slide, Ephesians chapter four, uh, yeah, 4, where the Apostle Paul has just uh, said that, that all believers are equipped to do the work of ministry, the work of service. And, and then he says, we uh, Christians are to grow up in every way into him, that's, that's referring to Jesus, who is the head over the community into Christ, uh, from whom the whole body, he, he envisions that the people of God as, as a body, is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, that's what causes the body to grow so that it builds itself up in love. Each part needs to be working properly. And the New Testament makes much of the fact that the whole community is, is weakened, the whole community suffers the whole community falls short of, of uh, what God hopes and intends for us to be when even one individual is not working properly, is not doing his or her part. And, and so Paul's uh, encouraging the Corinthians in the next verse, and he's, he's using this image again of a body. And he says, as, as it were, there are many parts, yet one body. And we, we dare not say that any part is not important. The eye cannot say to the hand, oh, I have no need of you. Nor again the head say to the feet, I have no need 
you. On the contrary, on the contrary. And the parts of the body that might even seem to be less important or to be weaker, he says, are indispensable. Every part doing its part. And, and so God does not call any of us to be spiritual uh, couch potatoes, spiritual sofa spuds. Uh, if, if you are a Christian here tonight, you are called to the ministry. It's not just, you know, that, that Debbie Boyce is called to the ministry or, or David Ketty is called to the ministry and you guys are called to be what? You know, slackers. Um, <laughs> no, if you're a Christian here tonight, you are called to the ministry. You are called to serve. And one of the most significant ways that the New Testament, that the Bible really talks about this, this idea of, of, of our calling to ministry is that as believers in Christ, we are all called to be priests. And there's another one where we, we tend to think of, oh no, that's a special category of people. No, the New Testament says we are all called to be priests. And that's the passage that we want to look at tonight from 1 Peter chapter 2. And I'm going to read verses 4 and 5, and then we'll skip down and read verses 9 and 10. Uh, Peter writes to the church, As you come to him, as you come to Jesus, who he describes as a living stone, a, a beautiful metaphor, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be what? A holy priesthood to do what? To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then on the next slide, he goes on a little bit later, and he, he continues with this theme. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. To do what? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And some of you may have heard the term or the expression, the priesthood of all believers. Has anyone heard that, that terminology? Well, it's from passages um, uh, like this that that comes. That, that was a very significant concept uh, coming out, uh, uh, particularly of the Reformation of the 16th century. And it comes from texts like this, uh, and also texts in Revelation, and uh, Peter himself is probably alluding here to a significant verse in Exodus 19, right before God gives uh, the, the people the law, uh, beginning with the Ten Commandments in chapter 20. And there God says to the people of God, in that time, and in that moment, he says, you will be my special possession out of all the nations, for all the earth is mine, and you will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And you see the, the language that Peter is drawing on as he applies that to the church, to believers in Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do tonight is, is to uh, think for a few minutes about, well, okay, if, if we're called to be priests, if that's part of our identity, as Christians, um, what does that entail? What, 
you know, like, okay, what are my priestly duties? What I, how do I be a good priest? Uh, and uh, it, it seems to me that as we look at what Scripture says about this, and we'll see it here in the text, that our priestly duties move in two different directions. They, they, they move in, in vertically, we might say, toward God, but they also move uh, horizontally or outwardly uh, on behalf of others. And so Peter uses language of offering acceptable sacrifice to God, but he also uses the language of uh, proclaiming um, God's word. And we're also going to talk about uh, interceding uh, for other people. And, and it's interesting that the New Testament describes Jesus as the great high priest, um, and uh, over against the, the, the multitude of priests uh, under the Old uh, uh, Covenant, uh, the Old Testament uh, time, Jesus is the great high priest. And we see these different aspects uh, in his ministry. He offered himself, right, to God uh, for us. Um, he makes intercession. He prays continually, the scripture says, for us. He, he proclaims, he actually is the Word of God who became flesh and dwelt among us. So he, he is the ultimate revelation uh, of God's Word. And while our priestly ministry is not the same as Jesus, it could not be, but it does follow that same pattern. Like him, we're called to, to proclaim God's Word. We're called to offer sacrifice. We're called to offer prayers uh, for others. And I want to look at those three things uh, a little bit more closely. First of all, as priests, we are called to offer spiritual sacrifices. And, you know, if, if you go back to, uh, here it is, verse 5, uh, you're, you're being built, he says, as believers, into a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And I think we have to wrestle with that for a minute, uh, both, both the why and the how. Um, how, can, how can I offer an acceptable sacrifice to God, uh, and, and why would I do that? One of the things that the New Testament makes powerfully clear is that I do not do that in order to appease God or to gain forgiveness. In other words, I'm offering a sacrifice uh, in, in that sense, uh, but rather I'm offering in response to, and, and we'll see we'll see that some more as we move into this. How can we offer an acceptable sacrifice to God? Now, if you know the Old Testament, you know that there were extensive rules that the the Aaronic priests had to ensure that the and, and that the people had that the, any sacrifice that was offered was offered in an acceptable manner. And the reason was that people, there's a fundamental understanding that you can't just sort of waltz into God's presence. Um, God is set forth in Scripture as holy, that is uh, morally uh, pure and perfect. He's, he's set forth as majestic. Um, and so worship, coming into the presence of God, uh, with, with any kind of sacrifice is not a casual matter, not something you can do flippantly. And, and, and so that begs the question, how can we as Christians 
as priests, offer acceptable sacrifices to God. If you follow the text, you'll see there uh, that our spiritual sacrifices are only acceptable to God, to use that language, when we are first connected to Jesus and focused upon Jesus. And, and so we have to understand, if we think about ourselves as priests or ministering as priests, we have to think about that in relation to Jesus' priestly ministry for us, right? I mean, what do the scriptures tell us? They tell us that Jesus offered himself to God once for all. Once for all as a sacrifice for sin to reconcile us, to restore relationship, to reconcile us to God. The scripture is uh, very clear on this, that there is one mediator between God and humanity, and that mediator is Jesus Christ. And so, for us to be priests, we must first, and maybe you could go back, uh, Robbie, to the uh, first slide, I think it is. Yeah, here. Um, we must first come to him. If we're going to be a priest, first we must come to Jesus. He is the, he is the living stone who was rejected, who, who died and uh, rose again. Peter says in, in another verse right here, he calls him the cornerstone. And so, and so when, it's only when we come to Jesus first as our mediator between God that, that we ourselves become, in the words of the text, living stones, verse 5. That we come to life and that we become a, a, a dwelling place for God, and so our sacrifices are, to God are only going to be acceptable when they are offered in response to what God has done for us through Jesus. In response to the, the, the great work of our of our High Priest Jesus, uh, when they when we recognize that He is is the one who is precious in God's sight. And that the only way I can offer an acceptable sacrifice to God is through Jesus. And I think Peter makes that, that clear, and so I wanted to emphasize that. But then we move to the question, okay, so I can only offer an acceptable sacrifice if it's, if it's through Jesus. But now I want to talk about three examples of the kinds of ways that we are to offer sacrifice to God. These come from different passages, but I think they're, they're striking. Uh, in response to God's gift, we are now to, to offer ourselves, and, and here are three ways. Number one, uh, we're exhorted to offer our bodies. That's a, that's a you know, we would, we would typically say, well, offer yourself. Offer your body is a little bit more graphic, particularly when he characterizes your body as a sacrifice. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. Uh, and you, you can, if it helps, you can think about that in the most graphic of, of senses. Um, Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, in view of the mercy that God has shown you, how do you respond to that? Present your body. And what does he mean by that? He means your, your whole self, all that you are, all that, uh, all that you are. I, I'm 
there's a deep sense in which if I offer myself to, to God as a living sacrifice, I'm, I'm literally saying, God, I give myself to you. And, and it's interesting, right? Because the scripture would teach us that in, that in the first place we already belong to God, right? Because he's our creator. And it makes that explicit. It, it is not me, you know, we don't belong to ourselves, uh, but to him because he made us. But then secondly, scripture, wonder of wonders, tells us that we belong to God because he bought us with a price. At the, at the greatest cost, he, that's the word redeemed, he purchased us, scripture says, out of slavery, out of bondage, to sin and to death. Uh, and, and so we belong to God because he has, he has bought us. But now here, in this third instance, Paul is saying, now in, in light of those wonders, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Offer yourself freely to God. Surrendered up. Letting go of myself, a willingness to surrender, to, to sacrifice, even, even to suffer in view of the, the greatness, the excellencies of God. And, you know, that is getting very close to the heart of the Christian view of worship. We... we are in danger of making a, another big mistake if we think that the heart of Christian worship is perhaps what we do here in this room or you do on Sunday morning in a church. That is worship. That's wonderful. That, that's, that's a key component of it. But if, if we don't get to something more fundamental, then we're, we're missing it. And, and that is, at the fundamental level, it is recognizing that I am created by God, that I have been redeemed by God, and in light of God's worthiness, I am offering myself, my whole life, to God as, as an act of worship, a living sacrifice. Then our songs become meaningful. They become something pleasing to God. But if it's not in that context... You know, this people honors me with their lips, God will say, but their hearts are far from me. And that kind of worship, honoring God with our lips, is not pleasing to God. So this is, this is fundamental. I appeal to you to, to offer uh, your bodies as a living sacrifice. But then, uh, here, let's skip over to, to Hebrews and look at a couple of other examples. Offer your praise. Then we offer praise through him, through Christ. Let us offer up a sacrifice of praise, which is what? The fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. That acknowledge God for who he is, for what he has done. The psalmist says, come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for my soul. And I, and I like the fact, uh, it also it says continually, Offer up the sacrifice of praise. I, I, that, that one nails me pretty bad. Let's go on to another one. 
uh, a sacrifice of service, the very next verse. Don't neglect what? To do good. To share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. When we pour out ourselves in love and service to others, that is an aspect of our offering ourselves to God. Like when, when Paul was, he was in prison when he wrote to the Philippians and he thanks them for supporting him and he uses this language again of sacrifice. He says, thank you, I am well supplied. I've received from our good friend Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. And he says, these are a fragrant offering, a sacrifice you've made on my behalf, which is acceptable and pleasing to God. And so all the ways that, that we uh, and, and that you might choose to serve God and his people, even right in this context, leading worship, uh, serving on a ministry team, being an, an officer, making the refreshments, setting up the room, running the slides, uh, talking with one another before and after the meeting, greeting one another. These are all, all ways to offer uh, sacrifices of service that are, that are pleasing to God. They're, and they're all expressions, again, of uh, if they're done from the right heart, of, of worship and of the worthiness of Christ in response to his self-giving love for us. And, and it, it leads me to, as I was thinking about this, I, I'm asking myself, Bill, what are you offering to God? What sacrifices are you bringing to God? And I might pose the same question to you tonight. What, what are, are, have you offered yourself? Are you offering praise? Are you offering service? What are you not offering? What are you withholding from God tonight? Let's move on. As, as priests, we are, we are not only privileged to offer sacrifice, but we are privileged to make intercession on behalf of others. This verse from Hebrews 7 is so wonderful. He, that is Jesus, the author is talking about, is able to save completely. Wow. To save completely those who come to God through him. That's such a wonderful statement. Because he always lives. He is a living Savior. And he always lives to intercede, to pray, to advocate for them. And, and as priests, we are called to engage in this kind of of a priestly ministry in relation to one another. Uh, theologian Timothy George, he says, he says this, I, I found this to be so striking because I hadn't thought of it this way. Every Christian is someone else's priest. And we are all priests to one another. And, and as priests to one another, we all have, among other things, this privilege of praying for one another. And so I want to think about that just for a minute before we move to the, the final point. Intercessory, to intercede on behalf of another person uh, before God, to pray. One of the things that is key to this 
is to identify with the person who you are praying for. And in particular, what we find is this idea of identifying with how my friend, my brother, my sister is suffering. Jesus took upon himself what the scripture says, our humanity. He took upon himself our weakness, our sufferings, our poverty, uh, our temptations, and ultimately he bore in his own body our, uh, our sins. The New Testament says that it is because he has been tempted and tried in every way like we are. Stunning thought that Jesus is able to sympathize deeply with every member of the human race. And uh, that he is able to intercede before God with great understanding as our, as our great high priest. And we have the high privilege of engaging in that kind of intercessory uh, ministry for one another. When we identify with our brothers and sisters and, and, and with uh, the rest of humanity in, in their need, and in their suffering, and we go before God on behalf of other people. And, you know, we don't have to think about that for very long to realize that's hard, uh, and that's messy. But, but the intercessor, in a sense, when we identify with the suffering and the need of the person that we are praying for, as Jesus is identified with us, we, we, we begin to give our lives for those we are pleading for. We get involved in their need, and, and we begin to represent uh, my brother, my sister, in his or her need before God. And that's something powerful. I think that is one of the most invisible and perhaps unpracticed and most significant ministries that you can have on the earth as a follower of Christ is to pray for your brothers and sisters, to pray for the world. And yet we, we don't, we have the highest privilege of coming boldly before the presence of God to make our requests known, and yet so often we don't, we don't avail ourselves of that privilege. And it's not only a high privilege, but such encouragement comes from prayer. And just a personal example is uh, the mother of uh, uh, one of my beloved friends and co-workers from years ago. Um, her name is Ginny Lou Zolker, and she has passed away now. Um, but at some point after Debbie and I came back to Princeton and began to work on the campus, uh, I became aware that Ginny Lou prayed for us, prayed for me, prayed for me every day. And that encouraged me so powerfully. And all the more because uh, at that time, my mother had only recently passed away. And, and to know that this, this woman, this dear sister in Christ, this, uh, this mother was making intercession for
for me and for my family and, and for the students uh, here on, on the campus. Every day, she was engaging in this hard, good work of being a priest, of being my priest, and lifting me up before the Father and being an advocate for me. Uh, Peter Lightheart, some of you may have heard of him or read him, he, in writing about Martin Luther, who, who magnified this priesthood of all believers, uh, Lightheart writes, the fact that we are all priests and kings means that each of us Christians may go before God and intercede for the other. And so again, to be a priest, don't just take that as an abstract. It means to be a priest for someone. I don't mean only for one person, but who are you serving uh, by praying for them? Are, are you praying for brothers and sisters who you know are struggling and uncertain in their faith? Are you praying that they will have assurance uh, that, that God is there and, and, and that Christ is real and, and that forgiveness is, is genuine and that God loves him? Are, are you praying for friends who you know are wrestling with following Christ faithfully, who are struggling with particular temptations or sins? Are, are you praying for people who you know are fearful and, and who need courage, who, who might be afraid of acknowledging Jesus as Lord, who might be afraid of rejection from others, other kinds of fears they might have? Are you praying for the people who you know who are faced with difficult circumstances, physical trials, illness, difficult relationships, economic hardship? Brothers and sisters, are we praying? Are we bringing uh, one another before the Father? And then uh, thirdly and finally, as priests were called to proclaim God's goodness. Back to the text. You're a royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into light. And I'll just say very briefly, that means using words. It means opening your mouth. And you see this over and over again in the Psalms. Uh, you have multiplied, O oh God, your wondrous deeds. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. And so often, we have been so blessed by God, and no one would know it, because we don't acknowledge Him, even to one another. Uh, we, we need to use words. Uh, but it also means the character of, of our lives. We've been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. And Peter, uh, shortly uh, after that, uh, you, you know, he urges us to, to shine as, as lights. And he urges us, he says, to keep our conduct honorable so that even if people, maybe they mock you because you believe in God, they think how silly, or, or they, they disrespect you for being a Christian, even if they speak against you, they may see what your good deeds, your good works, and that will move them to glorify God on the day of his coming. And so we proclaim God's goodness, not only with our words, but also with, with our lives, 
because we want to show forth as priests the goodness of God to the world. People need to know, people need to see, and you are the vehicles through which they will know and through which they will see. If you're a Christian here tonight, you are called to ministry, to the ministry of the gospel, to be a priest of the living God. And it just convicts me deeply to, to ask, you know, what does God think of my offering, of my worship, of my service, of my intercession, of my proclamation? Let's challenge each other tonight. We're going into a break. We're, we're going to pray for one another in just a few minutes. But going into the break, I, I challenge each one of us to think of one way, at least, that I can be a faithful priest to the living God, a priest on behalf of others this week, to, to serve somehow, to encourage someone's faith, to pray for the team that's going to be in North Carolina or, or other brothers and sisters, some practical way to offer sacrifice to God, which is acceptable in His sight through Jesus, to intercede for others, proclaim his goodness and mercy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this challenge, this word, this high privilege and calling to minister before you as priests. Father, I pray that we would embrace it in response to your goodness and grace. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.